This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, we've had a great weekend so far. I mean, yesterday, Tony Cook was just, he was cooking, man. He was doing good. It was a, I, I, I learned so much off of him yesterday, uh, in just those three hours. And it, and it may seem like three hours, but man, it seemed like three minutes. It was awesome. It was, uh, just absolute anointed teaching. And it was incredible. And then this morning, so many good things happening. So it's nice to be involved with a church that's alive, isn't it? Because I've been to some dead churches, folks, and it ain't, it ain't pretty. But it's nice to be with a church that is alive and that God uh, is having his way, that the name of Jesus is being exalted and glorified. And so it's awesome. Uh, tonight, we're going to be on part five of our Sunday evening series called I Am. And uh, just to catch you up a little bit, in case you haven't been here or in case you've forgotten the last seven days, we've been looking at, in the book of John, there are seven I Am statements that Jesus made, right? And we know that in the book of Exodus, uh, he tells Moses, you go over there and let, tell Pharaoh to let my people go and tell him that I Am sent you. And that sounds uh, obviously like that's a very broad, thing to say i am that's kind of open-ended and of course we we realize that jesus is anything that we need him to be and jesus shows up on the scene right and 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 in the book of john john's the one that recorded these and if you haven't realized john's gospel is different than the other three gospels Uh, the other three are called the synoptic gospels which means they're the same very similar and so matthew mark and luke you see pretty much the same stories told uh, within those three Gospels. Mark is the shortest, and he's very straight to the point. He leaves out a lot of the extra details. But then you ladies, you like details, so you'd probably like Matthew and Luke. And <laughs> I kid. I kid because I love. And Luke, he gives a lot of details. He's a, he's a doctor, and, and he gives all the, all the extra details and stuff. But John, he shares just a couple of the same stories. Uh, uh, but, but one thing that he includes that the others didn't is these seven I am statements of Jesus. And so Jesus rolls up on the scene. And of course, the Pharisees and Sadducees and, and the Jewish leaders, they don't like him already because people are starting to follow him instead of them, right? And Jesus, they're arguing one day because they say, hey, Moses gave us bread from heaven. What can you do? Prove yourself. And Jesus said, bread, manna, I am the bread of life. You kidding me? If you eat for me, you'll never be hungry or thirsty again. And then he said, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood if you want eternal life. And then they just, it exploded. People got angry. They're like, no, he's talking about being a cannibal. And so they wanted to absolutely kill him on the spot. And Jesus had a whole lot of disciples. And at that point, many of them turned and deserted him and left. Can you imagine that? Just clearing out. Because it wasn't a popular thing. They didn't understand it. And so they all leave except the twelve. And Jesus says, well, what about you guys? Everybody else left. You're going to leave me too? And Peter speaks up and says, Lord, where would we go? We have nothing else. You, you're everything that we have. You're the great I am. What are we going to do? We don't have anything else. There is no plan B other than Jesus. And so Jesus keeps showing up at different scenes saying, hey, I'm the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate for the sheep. 
I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd would lay down his life for his sheep in John 10. And then here we come tonight to John chapter 11, where Jesus does it for the fifth time. And he says, we'll get to it, but he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And so I want you to open tonight to John chapter 11. Yes, man, we're going to get somewhere tonight. I can tell. We've got some people that want to hear the word tonight. And uh, and so we're in John chapter 11, and this is the story of Lazarus dying and being raised from the dead. And I'm going to cover a whole lot of the story, but uh, for time's sake, I'm not going to read all, I guess, 44 verses that contain this story. Uh, but but we're going to skip around a little bit. But John chapter 11, verses 1 through 4 in the NLT here, and this is the story of Lazarus. And so John chapter 11, verse 1, it says, A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. So in the next, I think it's John chapter 12, actually, that, that this Mary, she pours uh, the perfume out and anoints Jesus' feet. But anyway, uh, her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the son of God will receive glory from this. And so right there, I mean, everyone's like, oh, phew, that means he's not going to die. Well, Jesus didn't say he wasn't going to die. He said it wouldn't end in death. That wouldn't be the final word, right? And so death did come. And also he says it happened for the glory of God. And I think people twist this scripture and say, well, you know, he died for the glory of God. Well, hold on. I mean, some 20 year old dying, that wasn't for the glory of God if they didn't get resurrected again. But Lazarus didn't stay dead. But here we are. He says it happened for the glory of God. Verse five. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. What? I mean, this seems like an emergency. Jesus is fully aware that the boy's going to die. Jesus knows what's going on and everybody's freaking out. He's like, no, 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 no. The MO end in death. Let's just stay here for a few more days. And so he stays there for two more days. Skip down to verse 11. Verse 11. And so verse 11 says, Then he said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. He's talking to the disciple. He fell asleep. But now I will go and wake him up. And so the disciples are kind of dense sometimes, kind of like some of us are. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping. But Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, "Uh, guys, Lazarus is dead. You're not not getting it. He, He actually died. He's not taking a nap. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. It's an interesting story. Verse 16, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his his fellow disciples, let's go to and die with Jesus. What kind of faith is that? This is the same Thomas that said, I will not believe unless I see the holes. No, no, not unless I touch and feel the holes in his hand. So Thomas had a deep history of being sarcastic and being a doubter. Can you imagine that? Jesus says, let's go. He's like, yippee, let's go die. And what a punk. Anyway, 
So when, because there was a hit out on Jesus' life already in this region. They were, they were ready to kill Jesus as soon as he got there. But anyway, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. That's bad. That's not, I mean, he didn't just die. He, he had died and been in the grave for four solid days. That's a, that's, that's not a good situation. And so Martha, when Jesus gets into Bethany, Martha rushes out there to talk to Jesus. Mary's so upset she can't even leave the house. She just stays at the house. But Martha, his sister Martha comes out. So go down to verse 21. Verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Wow. Where was Jesus? And how many times do people say that? These are, where, where was Jesus? Where was he at? Why, why did this happen? And Jesus already told the disciples, I'm glad I wasn't there. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I, for your sake, you're gonna, you can see a miracle now. I'm glad that I wasn't there when this happened. But Martha says, Lord, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. Verse 22, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again that's key to this story he will rise again yes martha said he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day she was thinking because she believed that at the last day the dead would be resurrected and rise and go to heaven so she's i know that on the last day he'll come back but i was kind of hoping that you had been here so we wouldn't have to wait that long to see him again. And then, boom, Jesus drops it down. I am number five. You ready for this? Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Martha, anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? And so Jesus is just being flat out with her. She says, I... I, I want him to, I know he'll get resurrected someday. Jesus says, stop. I am the resurrection and the life. And I'll show you the difference between those two things here in a little bit. So, so he goes on, man, if you believe, you'll never ever die. Are you getting it, Martha? Do you see this right now? And so go down to verse 38. So Jesus gets Martha and, and all this on, uh, you know, headed the right direction. But, but verse 38, Jesus finally comes to the tomb. Now, John 11:35, as we know, is the shortest verse in the entire Bible. It simply says, Jesus wept. Because Jesus, it was his friend. He did care about, about Lazarus. But here we go. John 11, verse 38. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. Angry? Jesus got angry at times. But it was always for the righteous cause. So he arrived at the tomb, which was a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the, roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell's going to be terrible. Like, my gosh, Martha, where you been hanging out with Thomas or what? What is your issue? I said that I'd take care of this. She's like, it's going to smell off. It's been four days now. And so Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? I thought I dealt with you already. So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here. So they'll believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. 
And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Loose him and let him go. I mean, of all the miracles, this would have been an incredible miracle to witness. The, the mummy, he was wrapped like a mummy, walking out of that tomb. Can you just imagine the gasp that people, I mean, people would have been screaming. People would have been, oh, I mean, people would have just been flipping out everywhere. But Jesus, he's like, man, get him out of that stuff. He's like, let's go. And Jesus took care of business. I love this story. It's an incredible story. But let's focus on what Jesus said earlier when Martha said, hey, I realize that, yes, he'll be resurrected on the last day, just like everybody. And then Jesus says, stop, Martha. I, I am the resurrection, and on top of that, I'm the life. You believe in me, you'll, you will never, ever die if you believe in me, Martha. And so Jesus, he makes this statement. This is the fifth I am statement. So let's study a little bit here. First of all, number one, let's look at what it means, the resurrection. Number one, the resurrection. Well, I think we all have a little bit of an idea of what resurrection means. I mean, you know, you're Christians, you, you celebrate Easter, you know a little bit of what resurrection means. But in the Greek, this word is anastasis, and it means a raising up or a rising, okay? And so, if you are a born-again Christian, you have experienced this. If you're truly saved, you have experienced being resurrected spiritually because at one point you were a dead man, a dead woman. You were, you were spiritually speaking, you were absolutely dead at one point. And you have experienced what it means to be raised up and risen. And in fact, I mean, when we, when we baptize you, that's one thing that I go over with everybody before they get baptized. This is a symbolic time, and it's, it's a hugely important time. The old you has died. It went to the grave, and the new you has been resurrected. That's huge. And that's one reason, you know, somebody recently has wanted me to, to baptize a, li- a little tiny one. I, I, I can't. I, I won't do it. I'm sorry. No offense, but, but I, I can't baptize somebody that has no idea what this is about. I'm firmly, you know, against what different church spring, that, that's, that's cute and everything, but that kid has no idea. He has no idea. You've got to be able to make that decision for yourself. There has to be a dead man going down and a new man coming up. That's, that makes no sense any other way. And so you, if you're a born again Christian, you have experienced a spiritual resurrection. Has anybody in here experienced spiritually being resurrected? Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's talk about the dead you. Let's talk about the old one. The dead you. Ephesians chapter 2. And we'll look here at verses 1 through 6 because the Apostle Paul had a lot to say about this. Because here's a guy that he, he had a past. You know that. You realize that. That the Apostle Paul, he had some things that had to die for him to be the man that he is now. And so Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. You have to realize that at one point you were dead. Ephesians 2 verse 1, it says, once you were dead. There you go. I'm not making it up. The Bible says it. At one point you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. 
You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Do you know anybody that refuses to obey God? Why? They're dead. They're dead. They're spiritually dead. They're obeying their orders from their commander, the devil. All of us used to live that way, verse 3. All of us did. Following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. So God does get angry. I'm not saying that he instantly flies off the handle because we know the book of Psalms tells us that he's quick to love and slow to anger. But don't fool yourself. There is an anger that that can be brought out. And so we were all subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Verse four. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. Verse six, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ. There it is. You were dead, but you were raised from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. You spiritually speaking, it says you are seated with Christ Jesus. You should be living high in this apple pie in the sky, man. You should be blessed beyond measure. It makes no sense. You know, you ever ask somebody, how are you doing? Well, under the circumstances, what in the world are you doing under the circumstances? You're supposed to be seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. Under the circumstances, what's wrong with you? You're weird. That's under the circumstances. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. You, there is no reason for a resurrected child of God to be under the circumstances. You should be high above the circumstances. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. And it tells us right here, though, that at one point you were dead, too, but then you were raised from Christ. Now, is there anyone in here who can remember yourself before you were resurrected? Come on, I've heard your story. You know, you know. You remember what you were like before you experienced the resurrection. And do you ever look back and wonder, what was I thinking? Why in the world would I do that? What a moron, man. How stupid can you get and still breathe? How dumb was I? And and, and sometimes, you know, people say, man, where were my senses at? You don't get it. Dead people have no senses. You were dead spiritually. You had no senses. And I'll bet there's things that you used to do that you didn't really, you didn't feel, it didn't bother you to go out and watch that and smoke that and drink that and do that. It didn't, didn't do anything at all to you. You didn't feel any way about it at all. But if you're truly born again now, I'm I'm talking about the real deal. If you've truly been resurrected, if you were to go back and do that, it would tear you up, wouldn't it? I mean, one person said, uh, if there, there are things when you were a dead man that you were so calloused and dead and numb that you didn't think anything about, you just smoked that and didn't even care. 
You just drank that and did that and watched those nasty things. You didn't, didn't even bother you one bit because you were dead. You had no spiritual senses. Didn't bother you one bit. But now you are alive. If you were to do that now, if you truly are spiritually alive, that would tear you apart, man. It would bother you to the core. It would mess with you. You couldn't stand it. Now, you could eventually, you could push your way through it and ignore the Holy Spirit so much that you can kill yourself again spiritually, commit spiritual suicide, where it doesn't even bother you anymore. Yeah, that, that, that is a possible thing to do. But if you have been resurrected, I'm telling you, there are things that just, that, that, that they didn't bother you at all before. You didn't think anything about it at all. You'd fight and say these nasty words and all this stuff. But if you've been resurrected, you feel it now. It, it would, it would hurt you. Why? Because alive people, they feel, they have the sense of feeling. Now, you know, don't mean to cross any lines here, but, but if you were to kick a dead person, they, they wouldn't grunt, they wouldn't do anything, they wouldn't feel it. They have no sense, right? But I were to come up and kick you with my mighty right foot. <laughs> That's right, kickball champion in second grade, baby, let's go. But if I were to kick you, it would hurt. It would, why? Because you're alive. You have feeling within you. It would hurt. And that's the same way it is now. You've been resurrected. You were a dead man. You were a dead woman. But you've been resurrected with Christ. And you've got life within you now. And so, one major sign. Let's talk about this real quick. What I mean, what are some signs that you've been resurrected? Well, a lot of it is you have some sense now if, you've, if you're alive spiritually. And there's just things that you won't do. But, but one major sign that John further explained is found in 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Let, let's see what it looks like when somebody's been resurrected. You want to see what it looks like when you've been resurrected? All right. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John 3. And we'll look at verses 14 through 15. So John's writings, he has a lot of great stuff. I mean, the, the Gospel of John is fantastic. First, second, and third John. First John's a great book for you to study, by the way. First John's just fantastic. Then, of course, the book of Revelation. But here we are in First John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. He said, If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. There it is. If you love the Christian brothers and sisters, it proves that you've passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Wow. So there could be potentially people that say they've experienced the resurrection, but if they're full of hate and have no love, it says that that person has no love, they're still dead. That's a dead person. There's no way you can have the life, the resurrection life of God on the inside of you and hate another human being, but especially a Christian brother or sister. There's no, not a chance. If you genuinely hate somebody else, a Christian brother or sister, you're dead. You are not born again. You are not passed from death unto life. And John, he writes about this in, in, uh, later on in First John 4. But let's look at verse 15. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart, and you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. Woo! Man! So Jesus said, if you hate somebody else, you're a, you're a murderer at heart. Like, my gosh, that is, 
that is some strong stuff that John wrote down right here. He says, you're a murderer at heart, and we all know that a murderer, murderers don't have eternal life within them. Well, good point, John. That makes sense. I mean, I don't see somebody that just committed murder going to heaven. For reals, you can repent, and, and, uh, and if you genuinely repented, but that's up there on the sin list. Let's just get real. We all know not all sins are equal. Murder's up there. That's a bad one. That's pretty bad. You don't, that's, that's not good. And he said, mur- if you, uh, murderers, they don't have eternal life within them. We all know that. And then he says, listen, listen to me. If you really genuinely hate somebody else, you haven't experienced the resurrection. No, no way. You're dead on the inside. You are a murderer at heart. And murderers do not have eternal life. Man, that is incredible. And so Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And I realize that I, 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 I believe I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. I, I believe I'm looking at a room full of resurrected people tonight that do have the love of God within them. But make no mistake about it, a resurrected person, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. They love other people, right? Am I right? Jesus, they love other people. And so, you know, I've known a lot of people that, that uh, man, they, before they were saved, they were about the meanest person in the world. Absolutely. I mean, they were meaner than a wet hornet. They, they were just, everybody was afraid of them, right? You know, my dad was talking in the prayer meeting just a little bit ago about how before he was saved, he wasn't the nicest guy to be around. I wouldn't know. I wasn't born. But at the same time, uh, you know, and, 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 and his family, man, that they, 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 he's so mean all the time. But then he gets saved and he turns nice. Why? Because if you're if you're born again, you're going to be a nice person. Let's just not even argue about that. If you're born again, you're going to be a nice person. And then his family got even more mad at him. He's crazy. He likes everybody now. You see, see how stupid that is when dead people try to make sense of things. Well, he he used to be too mean, but now he's even crazier because he's nice to everybody. Man, dead people are they're just crazy. They don't they don't make any sense at all. I don't get it. But but there's things that they just cannot comprehend because they're they're spiritually dead, and so nothing's gonna make them happy, nothing's gonna make sense to them. But when you have this resurrection life, you've got the love of God, you've got you you've got the nature of God, the fruit of the spirit is within you. Love, joy, peace. You become a patient person. Amen? Patient? Patient? I mean, you get the fruit of the Spirit on the inside of you. This describes a Christian that has the resurrection life on the inside of them. And so, Jesus, though, noticed that that, that Martha says, I know he's going to be resurrected someday. And he's like, stop. I am the resurrection. But he didn't just say the resurrection. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Well, I thought resurrection meant life. I, I thought it was the same thing. Well, let, let's look. Let's move into point number two here. Number one, we've looked at what resurrection is. It means you've been raised and, and risen up. But, but number two, we're going to talk about what, it, what the life means. What is that? Well, uh, the word Jesus literally used here is Zoe, Z-O-E, with a little dash thing on the top. And so, Zoe, and actually, Brother Hagen wrote a book, I should have brought this up, called Zoe, 
the God kind of life. We have it back there in the bookstore. And that, that kind of catches your attention. That was one of my Bible college books at Ramah. And one time, Katie and I were flying on a, on a, a flight. I remember we were going into Denver, and I just have this book laying there that says Zoe. Well, that sounds kind of weird. And so, uh, so some lady sitting beside me, she's like, Zoe? Zoe? What is that? Is that like, she thought it was some kind of Harry Potter or something. <laughs> book. Uh, so anyway, no, 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 no. So it's a Greek word. It means the God kind of life. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, you want to hear about it? Uh, okay, let's talk. So I talked to her about the, the God kind of life. But, but listen to me. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. And I used that Greek word a minute ago. I think it's Anastasis. So he says, I am Anastasis. And I am Zoe. The God kind of life. And that, that's what he said that he is to you. That's literally the word that Jesus used right here. Now, the, the most basic way to, to describe Zoe is the God kind of life. But, but I like Strong's Concordance. I, I researched a little bit on there. And, and it said Zoe means life, real, and genuine. A life active and vigorous. That's powerful. Life, real, and genuine Life that is active and vigorous. Now, have you ever known somebody that you just try? Well, they're a lively person. They've got inner. They are lively. Well, technically, I mean, everybody that's alive is lively. I mean, but some people they have vigorous life, right? And so it's one thing to just you're sucking in oxygen and spitting it back out. You're existing. Eh, I don't really want that. I, I'm sorry. I, there, I've got better things to do than just take up space on this planet and and suck air in and 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 breathe it back out and just exist. That sounds completely miserable to me. I would rather just go to heaven right now. Thank you very much. I don't I don't care to merely exist. And so Jesus didn't say, Martha, I'm the res. I'll raise you up. And then you can exist for the next 70 years until you die all over again. It would be great, Martha. You don't want that? He didn't say, I am the resurrection and life, as, as people know life to be. He said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. I am Zoe. I am the God kind of life. Martha, I'll raise you up and I'll give you a vigorous and strong life. That's what I'm looking for. I want Zoe. I want a vigorous life, full of life, genuine, real life. And Jesus said that that's exactly what I am. Jesus has more for you than to just merely exist and take up space and make a few bucks and then it's all over with. That's not having life. That's being alive, but that's not having life. Jesus has more for you. And so when he raises you up, it's not just so you can take up space in this world and be another person to pay taxes and then die someday. He's got better for you than that. He has a life that is active and vigorous and full of energy and life. That's what Jesus has for us. And so... Jesus raised Lazarus that day. He resurrected him. But then Jesus gave him Zoe at the exact same time. He gave him the God kind of life. And, and you know, I often wonder, well, whatever happened to Lazarus after this? Well, he became one of Jesus' followers, which he already was. But he still 
he, he followed Jesus everywhere. And so in a second, we'll flip over to John chapter 12. John 12. Let's go over there. John 12. So after Jesus raises Lazarus, it really sets the religious leaders off. They have orders to kill him on sight. And so Jesus flees the area. It's not his time yet. Uh, he, he goes out to the wilderness, I guess probably the desert or something like that, uh, nearest a village called Ephraim. And, that, and so Jesus, I don't know exactly how long he was there, but Jesus was basically just laying low with his disciples for a little bit of time because he was going to die as soon as the leader saw him. And he wasn't afraid of death, but he wasn't supposed to die by getting rocks thrown at him or, you know, dragged behind a mule or something. He was supposed to die on the cross for our sins, just like had been prophesied. And so Jesus goes into hiding pretty much for, I guess, some sort of period of time. And and it comes to the Passover celebration. And so Jesus comes back into town and we have six days before uh, the Passover celebration. Uh, John chapter 12 Verses 9 and 10. John chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. It says, When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. And so everybody wants to see Jesus, and people are wanting to get a look at Lazarus and all this stuff too. Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too. What? They already, they were going to kill Jesus, but they're like, well, we might as well kill Lazarus too. Don't you realize he's been raised once? I mean, come on. How stupid can you be? Jesus is going to, he'll raise him again. For it was because of him, verse 11, for it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. So apparently... Lazarus is kind of getting famous. Everybody, this is the guy that Jesus raised. And I don't think Lazarus just, Lazarus didn't go into hiding. Lazarus didn't keep it to himself. Lazarus went out and spoke of what Jesus had done for him. Lazarus, people knew, like, that, that's him. That's the dude right there. He was dead for four days. I mean, I gotta be honest. If I knew, if I heard of somebody that had been dead for four days, and then they were walking around Barstow, Jesus raised up, I'd want to meet the guy. I mean, I will, I'd want to at least get a look at him or something. But everybody, they want to see Lazarus, and the leaders are like, well, kill him too while we're at it. Because he's the, he's the, really the reason why nobody wants to be a part of our church anymore, or, or whatever it was they had going. That's why nobody wants to follow our group, because of this guy right here. And so they decide to kill Lazarus. And obviously, that didn't happen. But Lazarus went on, because Jesus resurrected him. But he also gave him Zoe, the God kind of life, a life that is real and genuine, a life that is full of energy, alive and vigorous. And Lazarus went out spreading the good news. Now, church tradition tells us they later on had him be one of the leaders of one of the churches uh, and all this stuff. And I'm guessing that's probably true. But Lazarus did not simply get raised and then just, well, I'm back. I don't know what to do now. Sit around, I guess, and wait till I die all over again. No, he had the Zoe, he had the God kind of life. And, and, and so these verses, they show us that he was resurrected, that he went on, and he absolutely had a vigorous life going on. Now, oftentimes, oftentimes, 
you may have people in your life that think you're crazy. You come to church three, four times a week. You serve in the church. You give to the church. Do you have anybody that kind of thinks you're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs? Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, don't point if that person's in this room. I see fingers all over the place here. I'm talking about somebody outside of the church. Yeah. All right. But but there's people like, man, why you got to you're over there all the time. You're there. You're sweeping. You're babysitting kids. They think you're babysitting. They don't realize you're ministering to children. God's favorite people, if he has favorites. <laughs> but at the same time, people, they don't get it. The dead people, they look at us alive people and they're like, what's man? You're over there. You're 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 always doing something for all this Jesus stuff. They don't get it. And even religious Christians that have been resurrected. I mean, they're going to heaven someday, but but at the same time, there are some that just don't have the Zoe on the inside of them. And to them, you look like a fanatic and a lunatic. And you look like somebody that's just lost their marbles because you're all the time wanting to be in your father's house. Why, why are you like that? Because you have the Zoe on the inside of you. You have life. You don't just, eh, I live, I get by, you know, under the circumstances, I get by. No, you have the God kind of life in you. You've got vigor. You've got life. You've got genuine life and energy, and you want to do something about it. Somebody that's got a vigorous life, they want to go out and do stuff. They want to climb mountains. They want to go fight battles. They want to do something. That's why you do what you do. You're welcome for explaining that to you. Maybe you didn't know why you are the way that you are. But I'm telling you right now, that's the reason you serve. That's the reason you do things in your father's house. That's the reason you go out and tell people about Jesus. Because not only were you resurrected, but Jesus said, oh, good news. I'm also the life. I'm also Zoe. And so you can do more than merely suck in air for the next 75 years and then die all over again. You can live, really, really live. Because I am the resurrection and I'm also the life. And so the, kind of the third thing I'll kind of, kind of look at here is, what is God's type of life? What, what is the God kind of life? Well, all, all, we all know that there's a difference between what the world calls living and what we call living, right? I mean, I know people that look at somebody rich, oh, he's living it up, he's got a Ferrari, he's got a mansion, but the dude's as dead as a doorknob on the inside. He couldn't be more dead. Uh, he's living it up. No, not he's not. He's really not. He's dead, and he's headed for more death, eternal death. It's just going to get worse. But, but, but our definition of life and the world's definition of living it up are two totally different things. And so, obviously, John 10.10. 10, anybody? Any takers? Who wants to quote it? Jesse, give us a quote. Yes. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and life more abundantly. That was in John 10, verse 10, right after Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. And so, I've come that they may have life. I have come that they may have zoe. And they may have zoe more abundantly. And I like the New Living Translation. It says, I have come to give them a rich and satisfying life. 
That sounds pretty good to me. I mean, I, I, I would like to have a rich and satisfying life. It's better than having a poor and non-satisfying life. I mean, what's the alternative? I, 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 I said I've come to give them a rich and a satisfying life. Zoe, a life of vigor and, and, and genuine life. And so, the, I, I was praying and thinking, like, what, what's the best way? I, uh, there's so many verses that describe this, but what I want to do is show you the promises of the Old Covenant, and then, of course, wrap it up and explain Hebrews 8, 6, that beautiful verse. Mm. But let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 28. Can we? Deuteronomy 28. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this in the Message Bible. The Message Bible. And... Um, now, the message, sometimes it, it gets a little generous with some of its wording. I found a recipe for Rice Krispie Treats in there one day. I was like, what? Man, this is, wow. But anyway, uh, the, the, the message Bible, it's, it's a little wild. But at the same time, you know, I'm not going to always use it for uh, you know, just absolute dynamic line upon line study. But I do like the way that it words some things in a very uh, modern way. And so... Uh, Deuteronomy 28, I'm going to look at verses 1 through 14. I don't know Ailey has that available on the computer. Do you have the message on there? She has the message on there. Let's hear it from Ailey. She did good. She did good. She done did good. She done did good. But Deuteronomy 28, I'm going to look at verses 1 through 14. This is what we call the blessing. And it's exciting and it's good. And I think this is just a slight glimpse, just skimming the surface of what it means to have the God kind of life, to have some Zoe. Who wants some Zoe? Zoe! Alright. Anyway, Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 through 14, it says, If you listen obediently to the voice of God, your God, and heartily obey all His commandments that I command you today, God, your God, will place you on high, high above all the nations of the world. All these blessings will come down on you and spread out beyond you because you have responded to the voice of God, your God. Is there anybody in here that's responded to the voice of God, your God? We're, we're batting 500. That's not bad. That's good. All right. I, I wish it was a thousand, but whatevs. So he says, if you have responded to the voice of God, your God, God's blessing inside the city. Does anybody live in the city? I live down there. Yeah. So I'm blessed in the city. God's blessing in the country. Does anybody live in the country? A couple of you do. All right. And so praise God. You're blessed out there in the country. God's blessing on your children. Does anybody have children? Do those same people want your children to be blessed? Well, this is good for you because according to God's promises, you can have this. This is part of Zoe, the God kind of life. The crops of your land, the young of your livestock, the calves of your herd. Does anybody have calves of your herd? All right. The lambs of your flocks, God's blessing on your basket and bread bowl. Who wants their food to be blessed? God's blessing in your coming in. God's blessing in your going out. God will defeat your enemies who attack you. They'll come at you on one road and run away on seven roads. That's pretty good right there. You attack me one way, you're going to get beat up so bad, you're going to run seven different directions. God will order a blessing on your barns and workplaces. Does anybody want your place of work to be blessed? 
I mean, I don't care if everybody else over there is living under the curse. I can tell you one person who's not. And that's the person that's been resurrected, but also has Zoe, the God life on the inside of them. There is no reason that you should be cursed like everybody else down there. You should be blessed at your workplace. He'll bless you in the land that God, your God, is giving you. God will form you as a people holy to him. What does holy mean? I've told you. Set apart. Thank you, Katie Brady. It means set apart. So you should be set. If you're holy, you're set apart. What does that mean? That means one of these things is not like the others. That means you're weird to everybody else. And I've seen all the normal people in this world. I don't want to be anything like them. I will be as weird as I can be. They can keep their sickness. I'll be the, the, the crazy guy that doesn't have to get it. They can keep their poverty. They can keep their hate and their perversion. And that's fine. If that's normal, you take it. But I'm set apart. You are set apart. You are not like everybody else. And it says that God will set you apart as a holy people to him. Just as he promised you, if you keep the commandments of God, your God, and live the way he has shown you. All the peoples on earth will see you living under the name of God and hold you in respectful awe. Now listen, I don't have a desire, I have never had a desire to walk into a room and people say, oh, there he is. Oh, I don't care about that. But wouldn't it be cool if you walked into a room and people just felt the presence and the blessing of God so strong that they were like, whoa, what? oh my gosh, they, they, they feel it coming off of you. What does that do? You know, that gives you the opportunity to say, hey, it is not me. It's him. It's G, uh, uh, that, 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 what you felt, that light that you saw. I know somebody that is the light of the world. He am. He am. Number two. He am the light of the world. And so it says right here, if you're living under the blessing, if you've got this God kind of life, people, the nations of this world, they'll just see you and they'll be in awe of you because of the blessing of God. That's not selfish to desire that. That's holy to desire that. Verse 11. I think it's verse 11. I don't know. It's the Message Bible. Who can tell? God will lavish you with good things. Children from your womb, offspring from your animals, and crops from your land. The land that God promised your ancestors that he would give you. God will throw open the doors of his sky vaults. And pour rain on your land on schedule and bless the work you take in hand. And so not only should you be blessed at work, you should be the best one out there. You should be the best. Because God blesses what you set your hands to. You will lend to many nations, but you yourself won't have to take out a loan. God will make you the head, not the tail. You'll always be the top dog, never the bottom dog. As you obediently listen to and diligently keep the commands of God, your God, that I am commanding you today. Don't swerve an inch to the right or left from the words that I command you today by going off, following, and worshiping other gods. So looking at all that, I mean, 
that I desire that. I want that. And I have that. that that's what it means to have the blessing of God. Now, all of that sounds beautiful, but it is part of the old covenant, right? And of course, the modern day weirdos, greasy gracers or whatever they want to call them, so they're, yeah, that's old covenant, you can't have me. Well, listen, here's the good news. Hebrews 8.6, mark it down. Hebrews 8.6, it says that Jesus himself is the mediator of a better covenant with better promises than the old covenant. And so all that stuff, as good as that sounds, Jesus said, that was good, no doubt about it, that was good, but I've got an even better covenant with better promises available to you. And so if God wanted us to be the head and not the tail, the top dog, never the bottom dog or whatever, listen to me, listen to me. If you're a born-again, resurrected, new life Christian, you've got even better than that. And so, as we kind of wrap all this up, what was Jesus saying right here? He said, I, I realize that Lazarus is dead. But good news. I am the resurrection, Martha, but I am also the life. Not only will I bring Lazarus back, but he will have a vigorous, healthy, strong, blessed life from here on out. And so for you, you were not just resurrected. Jesus gave you Zoe, God kind of life and so many christians all over the world they're 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 like yeah man been resurrected and that's about it they 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 realize that they're going to heaven someday but listen not only were you resurrected and you'll go to heaven someday you can be absolutely blessed beyond measure for the rest of your time in this world and then have eternal life when you get to heaven that's some good news right there i am the resurrection and the life Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and stand up again. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.